This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome to Business Influencers. Hope everybody is having a great week. Again, we'd like to thank everyone joining us each and every week. Again, the show continues to grow thanks to you as we continue to climb the charts with Tell Radio. And again, we are committed each and every week to bringing you subject matter experts that raise to help you raise your level of influence in your business and personal success. If you have any topics that you would like us to cover in future shows, feel free to reach out to us at chris at christophersalem.com here at Tal Radio. Today's show is being brought to you today by Achieve Biz Systems, and they are the organizers of the event Achieve Biz Explosion Conferences that take place around the country. Again, we recently did a, uh, an event in Denver last uh, here in June, and I can tell you these shows are fantastic. I personally been there myself and had the opportunity to speak there recently as the keynote speaker. Again, check them out. You definitely want to find out more information about them. A uh, lot of business that can be done here, and these are some people that come from all around the world to attend this event. You can check them out at achievebizconferences.com, achievebizconferences.com. Well, we got a great show again. We're going to be talking about Nobody's a Mind Reader. And this is from a recent book from Sturdy McKee, who is going to be our guest. Sturdy has spent over 20 years as a physical therapist and practice owner, growing San Francisco sport and spine physical therapy. After deciding to use his expertise in a new way, he transitioned into the field of business coaching in around 2016, leveraging his experience and learning to help others grow their businesses. He is the co-author of The Best Small Business in the World and author of Nobody's a Mind Reader. He loves helping entrepreneurs, owners, and founders achieve personal and business goals. And he lives in San Francisco with his lovely wife and three wonderful children and even the dog. <laughs> we had to throw that in there, Sturdy. So Sturdy, thank you so much for taking time and being here with us today. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, we love this. Well, here at, at at Business Influencers, we love anything to do with mind, you know, in this case, mindset, mind reading, and so on. So nobody's a mind reader. We'd love to get, you know, a little background, maybe a background story. What prompted you to uh, write the book and, you know, how that's going, how that resonates here in the business world? Well, yeah, it comes out of what is really an embarrassing story for me. Um, early on in my business, I'll take you back the whole way. So um, my wife and I have been married for 20, we just had our 27th anniversary, right? We were together for six years before that, so 33 years. We were dating and then engaged and then married. So for two years, eight years before one day, I mean, and I, and I, I guess it comes from a place where I was pretty consistently disappointing her, right? Um, so, one day it dawned on me and I just told her, you know, look, if you can tell, if you just tell me exactly what you want, at least then I can choose whether or not I disappoint you. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, and we're talking little things, but just, you know, on and on, like, can you take the trash out? Sure. Well, to me, that means before the garbage man comes, right? And for her, that meant now. But those things weren't explicit on either end. And, you know, here we were, up, she was upset and I was confused as to why and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not the most important, but most embarrassing part. You know, that that was eight years, so that's a bit embarrassing. The worst part though, is I had founded my company, the San Francisco Sport and Spine. We were growing, we had employees and stuff. And I, I was two years into that 
before I realized that at work, I was being her. At work, I was disappointed. I was upset. I was frustrated with what people were doing. And it could be little things like coming in five minutes late and not calling or, you know, whatever. It, it wasn't necessarily huge stuff, but it was it was constantly happening. And I it dawned on me and I realized, hey, I'm not being explicit with our expectations with what's going to make me happy. Right. And basically it just came down to that. Nobody's a mind reader. If you expect me to guess at what's going to make you happy, I am almost certain to fail. And and what I've seen so much of the time and the reason I wrote the book, so the, the follow on to the book is the power of clarity for business leaders and entrepreneurs. Okay. So creating clarity in your business around what exactly it is you want to achieve, what the expectations, what behavioral expectations are, all the rest of it makes for a much better environment for everyone, like simply for everyone, not just for you, although it, it can as a founder, make it much, much better for you, but for everybody around, they're not, you take out the guessing. Mm, yeah, exactly. Takes out the guessing. And I can relate to that. I mean, when it comes down, you think about 30, even in a business world, we, you know, a lot of it, a lot of communication is based upon assumption and speculation. Because just exactly. to your point, everyone thinks that you you can read their mind and you know exactly what they're thinking and what is important to them. And then we're sitting here going, you know, I can't figure out this millennial. I can't figure out this Gen Z. I can't <laughs> figure out that baby boomer or whatever. It's right. so true. And and I love the fact that you illustrate a personal experience and story with you and your wife for this. And what can you share like like you know some of the things that in your book that you talk about in this area and how this can help business leaders you know really begin to really step up in this area that you know, this is more of a problem than they than they think it is and how that if things can be done in a way where we're not reading people's minds nobody's a mind reader and we can be very mm -hmm. specific clear and concise what can be done to help in those areas Okay, cool. So we'll kind of work backwards from the order of the book, right? But you start with your higher purpose. Higher purpose being why your business exists and not to make a profit. Every business needs to make a profit. We all know that, but that's not the primary reason your business exists. For most people, it's because they're passionate about something, because they want to do something. They want to affect some kind of change the world. They want to solve some problem. They want to serve a certain person. Uh, it's something around that. And the thing is that when we first start, like when we're founding a business, when we're, when we're you know, the solopreneur starting up, hiring, making our first hire, we're pretty clear about why we're doing what we're doing. But as we continue on and we get caught up in the day-to-day -day and the logistics and the compliance issues and the, you know, taxes and the finances and payroll and, you know, the myriad other things that happen in a business, we very often lose sight of that. And that kind of comes back to that whole idea of being really explicit about it because we do, you're exactly right. We operate from assumptions. We think everybody knows and and they don't. Yeah. And they simply don't. So beginning with a higher purpose and really get in touch with that, why the business exists can provide a lot of guidance to everyone around, you know, just the engagement level, why they're there, why they're showing up. You know, and it also provides a first the first step, the first question you ask in, in any decision matrix. So every, you know, every successful business leader, CEO, founder has kind of a set of questions they ask themselves when an opportunity presents itself or somebody comes up with a new idea and they kind of go through. And, and the first question I like is, does it align with our higher purpose? Does it serve our higher purpose? If, if it isn't immediately obvious, how can it? And if we can't come up with that, why would we even proceed to the next level? 
Yeah, that's true. So, so true. So what, what now breaking it down, like what would you say, you know, people hearing this and, you know, and they're like, wow, and I didn't realize that we're, we're not being specific, clear and concise like we think you are. Where, where would that, where would that start? Like, how would you go about if you were, you know, working with a you know, business leader, whether depending upon no matter what size organization it is? Yeah, just, you know, I, what I like people to do, and of course, when we're in like in a one-on-one coaching session, we're doing it right there, but I want them to go think, and I want them to go to the place where they, where they, where they do, they do the best thinking. Okay. So whether that's, you know, like I'm, I'm in San Francisco, so whether that's out looking over, you know, off the cliffs at the ocean or a bike ride or the coffee shop or go for a run or a walk in the woods or whatever it is, wherever you do your best thinking, go there, turn off your phone notifications and distractions, even for a little while and just think, go back to that beginning. Why did I, why in the world did I embark on this journey? Right? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> running, starting, founding, running a business is hard, right? It's really, really hard. And, you know, we stick with it and a lot of people don't, but those who stick with it, there's got to be something there. There's already something. So it's very much, a, I like your question, because it's very much a discovery process. Yeah. It's not an invention process. You know, it already exists. So, and I love the fact that, you know, it already exists because it, yeah. And, and then when it's left unchecked, obviously that's when it becomes a problem because we begin to assume we think that somebody's, you know, not, you know, doing what we, what we would like them to do because we just assumed that they knew, but they didn't know. And then when it's kind of like, excuse the expression, when such, such and such hits the fan, that's when everything, you know, comes to a head. And, and, and so... I guess you know the. I guess it, it's it, it. This is a communication thing. So when when it comes to communication, what would you recommend? A little bit like where people should be, you know, are, are able to communicate more in a better way. Is that something that maybe they have more huddles? They have a better understanding of their role and duties. I don't know. I I, I would love to hear what you could share that could help any well, of these organizations because this is a major problem. So the, I'm going to take that as kind of a follow-on question because I love the question about communication because when you think about what really motivates you, when, when you're you know, getting to that root cause, that purpose, that part of your brain, all of us, that part of the human brain is not well connected to the language centers. Yeah. Okay. So what's interesting is when people are trying to figure this out, and that's why they need time to think. Why they need time to go back and visualize and get out of their headspace of you know get out of the day to day because you know as founders we lose sight of that too you know so it's not just a communication of go back and oh well, we got to do this we get we get so caught up in all the other moving parts and all the demands on us that we forget about why we started this in the first place so we've got to get to a point where we can take that feeling that emotion that drive and articulate it in a way that starts to resonate with other people I mean. You know this, but one of the most important things a founder, CEO, you know, business leader can do and needs to do is that they have a vision. You know, almost by definition, they're visionaries. They see something that doesn't yet exist, right? So they've got to paint the picture so that everybody else can see what it is they see. Otherwise, it's hallucination. Otherwise, you know, the, the, no, nobody has any idea. So yes, you know. Yes, you put it in writing, you put it up on the board, you put it on your website, perhaps you start articulating, start using it. But that's uh, the communication piece. Yeah, you can tell people, but they've got to see it start to come alive in the business. So it becomes part of your decision matrix. 
right? So for me, the vision of meaning, the way I define a vision is the higher purpose, core values, being those principles, the behavioral expectations, how everybody acts, how we do things around here, and then the destination, the BHAG. So when you've got your big hairy audacious goal where you want to ultimately end up, why you're doing it and how you're going to behave along the way, those are the first levels of any kind of leadership decision matrix, at least in my world. I, I love using those and everybody has a little bit different, you know, version of that. But, you know, I mean, Buffett, Gates, you name it, all these people said, it's, you know, my, the, the secret to my success is what I said no to. Well, that's great if you have a framework to know what to say no to, right? But when you don't have that explicitly laid out, I don't know what opportunity to chase or what to what to say no to, what to what to move on from. Um, but having that framework and being able to go back and do the thinking one time, you know, maybe you go back and revise it. But you make these big decisions, you know, one time, and they're hard and they take some time to make. But once they're in place, you get to use them for the next decade or more. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that what you shared there, and so so important, and 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 so on. What are some of the other things that you feel in the book? And we want we want to make sure that later that people know where to get their hands on your book and order the book on Thanks. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and so on. What are some other areas that you feel that should be really stressed here on this this uh, show in terms of you know nobody's a mind reader? Some of the things that can really yeah. really resonate and really make a difference in that connection to you know build more rapport in generating more production efficiency and stuff out of out of people well we, again the clarity it starts with clarity so who do we serve who's our target customer and i i am a big advocate of getting away from kind of traditional demographic definitions of the target customer you know if you're amazon or you know some behemoth then that might work because you're trying to control so much market share and what have you but for most businesses i mean and Again, you're aware of this, most of your audience probably is, but what is it, like 96% of businesses are under a million dollars? Yeah. And like 99.6 are under 10 million? So when you're talking about those those businesses, the vast, vast, vast majority of businesses, we're not clear on who our target customer is. And if we do it, what I, the mistake I see people make is they define them, you know, in the medical world, one of the examples is, oh, well, the 40-year-old female is your target customer because, you know, she controls the healthcare decisions around it. Okay, Chris, imagine this, and everybody listening, put 140-year-old women in a room together and try to figure out what they all agree on. Mm. <laughs> well, right? I mean, maybe they could connect on, on one shared value, but what they agree upon, that's always a, t <laughs> that's always a, right, right. <laughs> so good. So that, that's kind of my point, right? <laughs> so when we use these traditional demographic models of age, gender, religion, race, mar marital status, income level or whatever, it's not defining who that individual is, right? So when we're thinking about what, who, who our target customer is, we want to get much more into the behavioral and values and psychographic model of who that individual is. And for somebody in a like in your early days of your business or for a smaller business, one of the easy ways to start down that path is to start thinking about who's your favorite customer. Who do you love working with? And a lot of people have hard time a hard time with this and translating it to the target customer because they're like, oh wait, ultimately it defies the demographic definition. Right. It's like, well, I love working with this 83 year old. I love working with new young entrepreneur. I love working with the, you know, 
17 year old athlete or whatever, it runs the gamut and it doesn't fall into kind of our traditional definition. And those traditional definitions stick around in business schools and, you know, VCs and all that. And because, because you can count them, right? If I come in and tell you, oh, well, my target customer is somebody who values uh, their, you know, their kids and their family and prioritizes education or something like that, right? And I start going down that list. How do, how do I count those people? I don't know the size of the market. Yeah. So, so that's kind of why it's not in favor in a lot of the, you know, out there in, in the world. But I would suggest, and I got a lot of research and stories to back it up, that when people actually do go in and focus on this, now you know who that individual is. You're, it helps you to define your marketing message, it, your service delivery model, you know, all the steps that how do you exceed expectations for this person? How do we create wow moments, moments of truth in the customer journey? All those different parts and pieces start to become very, very evident because we know exactly who it is we want to be working with. Mm, no, so that's that's very new- interesting. Very interesting. What do you see like in terms of as we, you know, we're in the, you know, w- you know, with now that we're post COVID and you, you know, we've had, you know, these remote workforces and, you know, they're kind of here to stay. They were kind of already out there even before COVID, yeah. but now it's been totally been reinforced and defining how people work. What do you feel now that, you know, that do you feel like that's going to work, you know, with, you know, with what you're talking about that, well, things can still get better, even with people not being in the same space, but you, with the use of technology to connect better? Well, yeah, I think... I mean, I think clarity in that environment is more critical than ever. Yeah. Right. Because if you're not, if you're not, you know, I mean, you've seen it. We've all seen it. The, some of these big companies and CEOs want everybody back in the office because they want this command and control kind of environment. They want to be able to monitor people and watch them and ensure that they are doing what they are supposed to be doing or whatever. If you're clear, and we, we didn't even get to this part, but if you're clear about accountability, Right, if you know exactly what success looks like in a job, and again, we simplify all this stuff. So you've got job accountabilities, the core values for behaviors, and maybe two or three KPIs for the position, right? And I wanna come back to the KPIs in a second yeah. too, but a couple metrics that define success in the role, and people know what those things are, and they're actively doing them and pursuing them, you're gonna succeed. And if your players succeed, the coach wins, right? The team wins, and that's, as obvious as that is, right, and as common sense as that is, that's not the way a lot of organizations historically have run. You know, they're, they're not there to empower the frontline employee. And I, I love this the other day. I read an article a couple of weeks ago and was kind of thinking about this a lot. You can have the best management team in the world, the best C-suite in the world. Your customer doesn't know or care mm-hmm. because their experience is with your frontline employees. Yeah. So again, how does clarity not play a huge, huge role in this? Yeah. Whether you're at a counter at a, you know, at a cafe or, you know, over a phone call and customer service, you know, if they don't know their experience is with that frontline employee. So creating real clarity around what it is we do, why we do it, who we serve, what we're about, you know, what we stand for. And, you know, I know I, I want to, you may not even ask this, but I want to preempt it because no, please, there's going to be a lot share. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of people who are kind of thinking, well, that all sounds good, but that's not how the world works. You know, there's cynicism to, to some of this stuff. There is now an increasing growing body of research that shows purpose-driven, values-driven organizations outperform their competition. 
Okay, and um, one Harvard Business Review study was across 17 different countries, and in 97% of the cases, they outperformed their competition. LRN did a study, and they looked at over a decade long, um, and the the typical purpose-driven organization outperformed its competitor in stock price by a factor of 12. Okay, not 12%, 12x, right? And engagement with U.S. employees is disengagement is an epidemic, right? All the research, I think it's gotten better and it's still 64, 66% of U.S. employees are are not engaged at work, right? And something like 30% are actively disengaged. So if you think about that, that's, I like the dragon boat analogy, you know, for those, check out dragon boat if you're not familiar, but you've got two rows of people paddling the same direction, a coxswain up front, facing backwards, beating the drum to keep them all in, in sync and in rhythm and somebody steering the boat from the back, right? Well. If, if you've got 10 rowers in the middle and seven of them or six of them aren't rowing, right? And three of them are rowing backwards or drilling holes in the boat. <laughs> are you are you gonna win a lot of races, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so so we've got to, you know, most small, small businesses are doing better than that because they're so close to it and they see it and they can't, they can't tolerate, they won't survive. But, um, you know, as your organization grows, so do those numbers. And it's really, really important to stay on top of that. And again, you know, giving people purpose. Well, here's another one. I love saying this in front of a live audience, right? Because I, what I say is people don't work for money and everybody freaks out, right? You literally see the body language and people <laughs> recoil and some of them want to start, raise their hand or start arguing, right? Like, hey, 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 hey. how many of you volunteer, right? Little league, church group, school, Sierra Club, whatever, you volunteer anywhere, you know, and hands go up, hands go up right and left. Why? You don't get paid for that, right? Now imagine the power of that in your business, your organization, that you could inspire people to want to work for you and they also get a paycheck. Mm. That's, I love that way you shared. Um, you know, you gave some, you get you some wisdom, so much wisdom here. What you know, in, you know, and when when you look at this process, thirty. I mean, I guess you can't put a time time limit. On, I mean, this is something that's ongoing. But what do you feel like? You know, if companies are going to make this transition, not only internally to really get people into sync, really mm-hmm. understand each other's role and duties, to work in a, in a more in a more effective way where they complement one another, and then of course how that spills out into the customers they serve to create better experiences and better connection. If people are truly committed to what you know this process, what do you feel that time frame or range could be on average? I mean, I know everything is different; uh, it's hard to, but you always know that's the first thing that will come up. How long is this going to take? You know, you know, well, I get that all the time. Well, I mean, it's going to take forever if you don't start. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. So, so um, you know, before you kind of cross that, and, and you're you're right; it's not you're not truly crossing a finish line. Right, but it really depends on depends on the size of the organization. There's there's increasing complexity with increased size, right? And you got to get more people on board and bought in and, and agreeing. And there's in some cases that you know a bigger organization, even even 20, 30, 40 people, what you see is a little bit of an attrition. You see some people leave, and that was actually something that happened in, in my business. Was as we were very clear about expectations, core values, purpose and all these things, there were some people that it became quite obvious that they were not going to fit in, that they weren't there for the long haul. Um, 
The one mistake I made with that that I would caution anybody is know that that is a potential. It could happen. Even if you think everybody's on board initially, they may just not resonate with it. They might decide it's not their thing. They want to move on. Um, so have a recruitment hiring plan in place as well so that you don't get stuck you know, when somebody leaves and now you're scrambling to figure out how to replace them. You want to have an ongoing recruiting and hiring process trying. And also, by the way, focused on these things. If you create clarity around what it is we're about, where we're going, why we do what we do, here's the exact, you know, what success looks like in this role, you're going to get better candidates who are better aligned who want to do that job, right? I mean, if, if I have a, I like using my sports analogies too, and we haven't even gone there, Chris. So, um, but if you have a baseball, if you have a kid you want to play catcher, you want them to play catcher, but they don't want to block the ball, they don't want to get in the way of the ball, that's not your catcher. Right. I mean, that's that's a requirement for the position. Yeah. If you have a hockey goalie who doesn't like, you know, small, hard objects being whipped out of at high speed, that's not your hockey goalie. It's not your goalie. If, <laughs> if they're getting out of the way, that's a bad goalie. Right. <laughs> so so it doesn't matter how great the individual is, the person is if they don't want to do the job. Right. And but at the same time, you can have somebody who's highly skilled. And we see this in sports all the time as well, who creates chaos and drama in the team who is not aligned with the values who is not there for the purpose that's there for themselves or for some other you know reason or gain and that's not a great bit either so it takes some time to really make sure you've got everybody aligned and on board but i i would say that varies dramatically with the size of organization and the dedication and commitment of you know the the, the, the leadership people doing it yeah like if they've got the bandwidth and they're serious about it it can happen in a matter of you know, months. Um, yeah. But if they're not, or they're busy with other stuff, or they're still trying to row the boat, right? While they're doing this stuff, it takes it takes longer. Takes longer. Well, Snerdy, you've shared so much great information. I know we're getting close to the end of the show, and I definitely would love to have another uh, second go around later sometime this year that we can expand cool. on this topic. We'd love to have you back on here on Tell Radio with uh, business influencers. I would love to let the audience know how can they get a, and, and to get to know you better, reach out to you, anything you'd like to offer and information and how people can buy the book. Sure. Well, just go to sturdycoaching.com, S-T-U-R-D-Y coaching.com. That's my website. It links to everything else, blog, my podcast, um, the books. I mean, I've got this book. We talked about it, right? It's, it's here, but it's literally just here. These are the first copies. I haven't even been approved on Amazon yet. It's all been submitted. Also, oh, it's um, so, so pre-orders, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right, it, it's all been submitted. I'm waiting. I'm actually after we're done. I'm going to be checking on whether I got approvals yet or need to do something else. Um, but yeah, the, I'll, I'll be setting things up on my website and on Amazon. Um, but yeah, it's it's brand brand new. You'll be one of the very very first people to get it if if you do listen to awesome. this in, in, in order. Well, thank you so much, Sturdy, for being here and taking the time out of your schedule to be with us today. We greatly appreciate it. Well, thanks, Chris. I really, really appreciate appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. And listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here at Business Influencers. Again, we are committed to bringing subject matter experts like Sturdy in each and every week to help elevate your business and level of influence to the next level. Again, any questions in regards to today's show, feel free to reach out to Sturdy on the contact information here on the show notes, as well as our myself. I'd be happy to get that information to Sturdy. And again, if you have any questions for any new subject matter you'd like to see here on the show, reach out and drop us a line at chris at christophersalem.com. 
Till then, everybody, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next week. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org. Thank you.